Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Uh, I want to jump into our message today. It's called, As It Is in Heaven. And so here, let's get our Bibles out. We love the Word of God here. We believe it's the bread of life for us. So if you've got uh, your Bibles, come on, Carlinville, Mount Carmel, North City, let's get excited. Me, Rhodes family, as we open them to Luke chapter 11. Woo! You were expecting Matthew chapter 6, and I pulled a curveball on you. Luke chapter 11. It was a curveball for me too, so just we're all in it together. Sermon notes are on the YouVersion Bible app. Note takers are world changers. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the word. I thank you that you give us life through the word, that you teach us your kingdom through the word, that it's more than just a textbook, but it's a person, Jesus the Christ, the word of God. So Lord, I just ask for revelation knowledge. We open our hearts to hear you, Holy Spirit. Guide us into all truth that Jesus be glorified. It's in his awesome name I pray. Everybody say amen. It's with a little bit of a heavy heart that I'm speaking today just for the fact of, uh, uh, I never like starting like that because it starts coming on, but my brother-in-law passed yesterday and uh, went to be with Jesus, and I'm so thankful for his wife Susan, our sister, and uh, even being here this morning just... uh, And I say that not for sympathy, and I say that not to just be emotional for the sake of being emotional, but I say it to give context. Context for what I'm about to preach is in the context of what I'm living. It's context for what I'm walking out. And the Lord knew last week when he told me, I'm going to move you in this direction. I want you to go to Luke 11. I want you to preach this. He knew what was going to happen yesterday at 3 o'clock when I didn't know what was going to happen yesterday at 3 o'clock. So I say that in context to let you understand that we're going to face some adversity, some opposition, but Jesus is still Lord. He's still the king over the universe. So I want you to look at this in Luke chapter 11 as it is in heaven. This is the same prayer uh, that we've been talking about in Matthew chapter 6, but a different version. Luke, the, the physician, writes this interpretation of this part of Jesus's ministry. And he, he writes in verse 11, or sorry, chapter 11, verse one. Let me say this too, before I get started, we're wanting to read the Bible and listen to what the Bible says, understand what the Bible says, that we make sure and we mold our belief systems according to what the Bible says, because our experiences will continue to try and mold our belief about who Jesus is, how he is, but we have to go back to something that is true and consistent, and that is the word of God. So I'm teaching again, I'm giving you context because I may be feeling one thing today, but this Bible says something else. I may be feeling one thing, but I've got to go to something that I'm going to point to and say, wait a minute, but this is what Jesus said. So in verse one, it says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. Who's he? That's Jesus. What was Jesus doing? He was praying. If Jesus, the son of God needs to pray, how much more do we need to pray? 
We need to pray. We need to continue to pray. Pray, pray, pray. We have prayer here every day, Monday night, 6 to 7, Saturday night, 6 to 7. Pray. I'm not talking about just praying over your food. I'm talking about a prayer life where we interact with God. Can we emphasize prayer more? Yes. Let's keep emphasizing prayer. We need to pray. How many knows Jesus prayed? We need to pray. So Jesus was praying in a certain place. Do you have a certain place? Man, there's so much we have to talk about. Do you have a place where you can meet with Jesus? Do you have a place where you can meet with the Lord and pray? Do you have a time where you've set aside time that I'm going to pray to him? I'm going to shut my phone off and I'm going to shut everything else off, the TV off. I'm just going to talk to God. Do you have a place? where you can meet him? Do you have a place where you can talk to him? Do you, have, do you have a place where you can get together and hear his voice? Do you have a place? If you don't have a place, you need to get a place. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be any, anything particular. There's no specific definition. It just says a certain place. It doesn't define it for you. It doesn't paint a picture. It doesn't draw it out in imagery. It doesn't give graphic detail where it's, I have to be just like so-and-so's place. Just find a certain place where you can meet with God. was praying in a certain place. When he ceased praying, when Jesus got done praying, one of his disciples, it doesn't say who it was, but one of them said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, teach us. That word teach means to impart knowledge or skills to. Teach us to pray. That tells me that prayer can be taught. People would try and say, well, there's no right or wrong, wrong way to pray. I beg to differ because they said, Jesus, I just heard you pray. Teach us like that. Teach us to pray like that. We, we, we don't pray like that, so teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. We need to learn how to pray. I'm not talking about learning certain words. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about that I've got to learn certain phrases. That's not, I'm not talking about learning to talk in King James. I'm not, I'm not talking like that. I'm talking about learning how to communicate with God. Your verbiage may be different from mine. It may, be, it may not sound like mine. That's totally fine. But just find a place and begin to pray. They so said, teach us how to pray. So do we listen to Jesus or do we listen to people when we decide how we want to pray? Do we just pray what we want and expect him to do it? Or do we learn to pray like he teaches us? Are you with me? We need to learn how to pray. So he said to them, after they asked if, they could, if he could teach them how to pray, he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us day by day our daily bread, 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 Jesus, the word, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's how he told him to pray. Your king, I want to focus in on the phrase that this series has been about, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, but your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus told us to pray, told us to pray to the Father that your desires, your choices, your intents, your purposes, your plans be done on earth just as they are in heaven. He said, pray this way. 
Pray the Lord, what you want done is what's going to happen in, in my earth. What you want done in heaven is going to happen. So if, he, if his will is automatically done, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Because again, I'm not teaching you like I'm somebody up here and you're lowly peons. Like I've got it all figured out. I've got all the answers. I'm teaching this like we are trying to understand it. That we are trying to live around this model. That I'm not trying to teach some denominational statement of faith or some doctrinal statement. I want us to teach the word and all of us to rally around what it says and mold our lives to it instead of molding it to our preferences. So I'm not coming as one who's got it figured out. I'm coming searching this morning with you. I'm coming hungry this morning because I need to hear from the Lord. So if Jesus tells us to pray that his will be done, if his will is automatically done in every situation, then why does he tell us to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? If it's always done all the time, how much, if any, of our cooperation is necessary for his will to be done in our lives? It's easy for me to get defensive. It's easy for me to justify myself, point my finger at God and say, you didn't. But how much of my cooperation is there? I'm not looking for condemnation on myself. I'm looking for a way to cooperate with the will of heaven to be done in my earth. I'm not looking to beat myself up and to blame myself. I'm just looking for answers to say, Lord, you said to pray this way. That's the way I want to pray. So do we have any responsibility or say so in God's will being done in our lives? That's the question we have to face. It's the tough questions that we have to answer when we look at our Bible. Look what he says. So he said, pray this way. He's talking about, he said, they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, pray this way. Then look at verse 5. Look at the context of our Bible, how this story comes in right on the heels of the Lord's prayer in verses two through four. And he's teaching them how to pray. So verse five, he follows it up. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight? Everybody say midnight. Midnight. Why does he say midnight? Why is midnight significant? Midnight in the Bible is always significant of the coming of the Lord Jesus. When it's referring to midnight, it's referring to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can talk about uh, the parable of the virgins with the oil that the bridegroom comes at midnight. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 6, and at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. So at midnight, the Lord's coming. Jesus, how many knows Jesus is going to return? says at midnight. So he goes to his friend. He says, and he comes at midnight. How many knows that when you're laying, you're at home and someone comes knocking on your door at midnight, it's a little different than someone coming to your door at three o'clock in the afternoon. He's coming at midnight and he says to him, friend, lend me three loaves, three loaves, three loaves of what? Three loaves of bread. What does bread represent? Bread represents the word of God, it represents Jesus. So he comes to the friend at midnight. Again, representing, there's applications here that I want to throw this out. Comes to the friend's door, knocking at midnight. It's time for the Lord's return. And he says, give me three loaves of bread. 
Three loaves representing Jesus or the word of God. Give me Jesus. Give me the word of God. Why is that? Because he says, he goes on to say, for a friend of mine has come to me in his journey and I have nothing to set before him. What does that tell me? That anyone who comes to me, I have nothing to give them except Jesus. That when it comes down to Jesus returning, Jesus is coming again. I have nothing to offer my friends if I don't have Jesus. If I don't have, and notice he asked for three loaves because he said, I don't want just enough for me. I want overflow in my life so that I can feed others. This has got to be the posture of the Christian in this time of this uh, season, this hour, whatever phrase you want to use, that Jesus, I want more of you so that I have extra to give to my friends because without you, I have nothing to give them. I have nothing to offer them. I can give you all kinds of tips. I can give you stock tips. I can give you all this stuff that's nice. It's good. But if I don't have Jesus to give you, I have nothing that's going to matter in that day. Give me three loaves for a friend of mine's here on a journey. Look at verse 7. He says, uh, and he will answer from within and say, put yourself in the position of this person on the inside, would you? He will answer from within, do not trouble me. That word trouble there means to cut or beat, to reduce strength. Modern day translation, wear me out. Do not wear me out. The door is now shut. Everybody say now shut. Mm, it's now shut, but will it always be? Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. That means it's already, at this time, it's already shut. It's been closed. It's, it's already been shut for the night, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Who's teaching this story? Go ahead and say it, shout it out. Who's, who's teaching? Jesus. What is he teaching about? Context. Talking about prayer. Jesus, I guess I got to remind you, this is not just some cute story about a person and their friend and bread and midnight. This is Jesus, the Son of God, teaching his disciples about prayer. Brought it back home for you, okay? So he knocks on the door. The dude says, you know, get out of here. Got my kids in my bed. They're sleeping. I cannot rise and give to you. Cannot or will not? He said, I cannot. Is that true? It's not that he cannot, that he will not. Look at verse 8. And I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his, what's the next word? Persistence. Persistence. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. What are we teaching on? We're about to get it. What are we teaching on? What is Jesus teaching us on? Yes. So Jesus says that when you come and you knock at midnight. Hey, buddy, can I have some bread? 
I need three loaves, please. Right. <laughs> Looks at his watch, rubs his eyes. It's midnight, right? Go away. My children are asleep and we're in bed. The door is shut. Go away. Hey, could you give me some bread? I need three loaves, please. Go away. The door's shut. My children are in bed. Trying to sleep. She's preaching my message with me. Just let her talk. Let her talk. She's helping me more than a lot of people right now. I need all the encouragement I can get. Go away. Well, maybe, evidently, it wasn't the will of God for me to have bread. I tried, but the door was shut. If the door was open and they were willing, I would have bread, but evidently they're not willing and the door's shut, so what can I do? I mean... It's out of my hands. There's nothing more I can do. The door's shut and they're not willing. So they're not willing, the door's shut. So therefore I, I tried. I go back to my friends and I say, I'm sorry, I have nothing for you. I know you're in need. I know you're in want. But I have nothing to give you because the door was shut and, and they weren't willing. I would love to be able to give you what you need. I would love to be able to give you what you're looking for, but, but it's not my fault. I'm, I'm sorry, but the door was shut. You don't understand. And, and I tried. I knocked, but, but they weren't willing, and the door was shut. So, so I'm sorry. We're just going to have to do without. Jesus is teaching on what? <laughs> on prayer. What does he say? He said, though he will not give you because he's your friend, but because of your... Your persistence, look what persistence means for a moment. It means impudence, importunity. These are words I never used, but I looked them up. Audacity, insolence. Come on, let's get this one. Lack of sensitivity to what is proper. It goes on. Boldness with disregard for others. Resolute fearlessness beyond normal restraints. Hello, I need some bread. Three loaves, please. Do you have no sensitivity to what's proper? No, I have friends in need. 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 I will not stop knocking. Do you have a resolute boldness that goes beyond normal restraints? Well, what are people going to think? 
That's not a proper prayer. That's a little bit overboard. That's a little excessive. I just want to pray. Rat-a-tat-tat. Lord, if it be thy will. But if not, if the door is shut and you're not willing, then that's okay. I don't see Jesus teaching me that. I, I see Jesus teaching me, Chad, even when the door seems shut now, it is now shut, but if you will keep persisting, maybe not this time, but maybe next time, maybe the next time, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking. You say, well, you say it's too late, it's too late. I'm, the devil's telling me it's too late. See, see, you tried that. It didn't work. You, you tried. It, look what he says. Because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Because of his what? Because of his chutzpah, we learned in boot camp this week. Because of his persistence, because his Boldness with disregard for others because of his resolute fearlessness beyond normal restraint, because of his lack of sensitivity to what is proper, because someone said, I will not quit. I will not yield. I will not fold. I don't care what you say about my kids, devil. <laughs> I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. God's calling us to a place of prayer that says, even though the door stayed shut in this instance, he says, he says, goes on in verse nine. He says, so, verse nine, very first word is what? So, what does that mean? What does that mean? Why does he use the word so? The word so is a continuative conjunction. Last week we talked about a contrasting conjunction. This is a continuative conjunction. He says, so now, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So, because of that, and with that in mind, I say to you, ask, and will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. Now, he said, I did ask. I say, I did ask. Look, the word ask is a present imperative verb, which means to request in process with no assessment of the action's completion. Here's what it means. I can't come to you today and say, I asked for Kenny to be healed and so because he's in heaven, praise the Lord that he is with Jesus. Because he is there, I now, if you have need, if you need bread, I say I'm sorry that ship has sailed. I can't afford to say because the door wasn't open for me, now I stop knocking. <laughs> 
because someone's coming looking and needing a miracle, needing a touch from heaven, needing something, needing breakthrough. So we cannot allow ourselves the possibility to say, sorry, evidently the door is shut and they're not willing. So go to these next friends who come to me and say, I need a miracle, sorry, but I knocked one other time and the door was shut and it seemed to be not willing. So therefore I have nothing to give you. I wanna keep knocking because people keep coming to Jesus. We can't stop knocking. We can't stop knocking. Why? Because you and I, we all are in need of something from Jesus. What do you, what do, you do? What do you do whenever the door seems shut and they don't seem to be willing? It says then you just keep on asking. You keep on seeking and you keep on knocking. You keep on knocking. Why? Because if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone or will he ask for a fish? Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give, your, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We can't afford to stop knocking because Jesus said, this is how I want you to pray. He said, don't go, excuse me, Lord, I don't want to bother you, but I know you've got a lot on your mind, but if it be your will, would you please? But if you don't, that's okay. I understand that if it doesn't happen, it's okay. I understand if it doesn't happen, still worship. I came at six o'clock last night to prayer and knelt at this altar and lifted my hands and said, Jesus, you have mine nevertheless. You have my worship no matter what. No matter what takes place, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are my healer. You are my savior. I praise you. I understand that aspect of it. But I'm not satisfied because I understand this principle in Matthew chapter 11 verse 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven, what we're talking about, it suffers violence. What does that mean? We don't believe in violence. We're Christians. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This word suffers violence means to use violent force, to struggle with strength, overpower, to dominate, pressure, or to press take it by force. Luke 16, 16 says the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Pressing into it. Pressing into it. You know what the word pressing there is? The same word for violent in the previous verse that we read. Pressing into it to use violent force. I have not arrived I've been disappointed time after time after time in my life, but I've made a resolution in my heart that if you come to me, I'm gonna go knocking for you. 
I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep pressing in. I haven't arrived in the kingdom of God, but I'm pressing into it. I'm pressing into it. And I promise you, the person that presses has a lot better chance of getting into the things of the kingdom of heaven than the person who criticizes and stands back and says, the cessationist reformist who says that stuff has passed away, then that's not happening today. I'm not going to that ideology for prayer. I'm not calling the cessationist mentality and say, would you please pray for me? Because they don't believe that those miracles are happening today. I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to people that are going to knock, that are going to persist with me, that are going to persist. They're going to persist. They're going to persist. Well, what are you going to do if nothing happens? Then I'm going to worship him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to magnify him. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to knock again. I'm going to knock again. What else do we do? What else do we do? This is what Jesus, how he taught me to pray. I can't unread that. I can't say, well, Lord, you didn't understand my situation. You didn't understand my family member. You didn't understand that. It doesn't matter. Jesus said, this is how I want you to pray. The door is now shut, but that doesn't mean it'll always be shut. The door was now shut, but he said, because of his persistence, the door opened and he gave him as many as he needed. I don't know what that's going to look like in application. It doesn't have to be healing. It doesn't have to be, I don't want to, to pigeonhole it into one area of life, but I'm just telling us for prayer, do you have this kind of prayer life or do you have this kind of prayer life? Lord, if you want to do it, that'd be great. Yeah, I prayed about it today. I've been praying that God would do something. Oh, wow. What's praying look like for us? Does it look like, <laughs> does it look like, I love this wording. I, I want to go back to it. Does it look like a lack of sensitivity to what is proper? I felt it. I felt it the other day as I was sitting there with Kenny and I, Oh, Jesus. I felt my lack in that moment. And I said, Jesus, if you were here in your flesh and bone body, this is nothing for you. So help me become more like you. Because right now I don't have the bread. I don't have the bread that he needs. He said, well, listen, now, don't beat yourself up. Don't, just relax. Listen, listen. I'm not looking for sympathy today. I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for obedience to the word because there are people that need something. They need something. It may not be healing, but it's something, and they're coming to you. Do you have bread for them? Or do you have, well, I don't, you never know what God wants to do. What encouragement is that to them? Do you have bloody knuckles spiritually? Or do you know every episode of that Netflix show, Inside and Out? Do, do we...
When does it become annoying? When does it come to the place that it got him out of bed? How many times? How long? I don't know. I don't know. But I just know Jesus is teaching us something and the person on the outside had no regard for their comfort. They had no regard for their comfort. They had regard for the needs of their friends. They had no regard for their own pride. You know how, how, how shame, what's the phrase we use? Do you have no, it's like caring about what people think and do you have no shame, right? You've ever heard people say that? Do you have no shame? That's, that's shameless knocking. I have no shame. I have no regard for what you think about me. I have regard for my friends in need, so I will keep knocking until you give me three loaves. I will not knocking until you give me not just what I need, but more for them. Will we be a church that is satisfied with our own little bites to get us what we need? Or will we knock for loaves? Knock for loaves. Do we come in for a presence? Are we coming just to check the box that I went to a church service? That's all I need, boy, a good church service that's just my little, my little bite. Or do we come in hungry for loaves? Because someone you don't even know is walking through that door needing a miracle. Someone walking through that door in Mount Carmel is walking through needing a miracle. Watching online at Carmel. We don't even know their need, but we're hungry for loaves that I'm never going to eat. Maybe you don't need a miracle right now. Maybe everything is good. Therefore, we don't pray. But oh, when we need a miracle, all of a sudden, we're at every prayer meeting. We're calling everybody for prayer. We're, we're pressing in now because we need a miracle. But, but how much knocking do we do for the friends that are coming over that came at midnight? It came, they came. They came in and it wasn't a convenient time for him, for them to come. We got to stop. First Thessalonians 5 says, pray without ceasing. Luke 18, 1 says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and do not lose heart. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much in James chapter 5. Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel was praying, the angel said to him, do not fear for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I've come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Jesus help me. Help me, Holy Spirit. The emphasis today is not on a certain type of need. The emphasis today is on the need meter. His name is Jesus. You may be lost in sin. 
someone has been knocking for you. You may not be serving Jesus, but someone was knocking for you. You may come in today and not knowing what you were going to get, but you got some crazy emotional guy banging on a pulpit with seemingly no shame or dignity or regard for what's proper. Because I know we're in a world with people who have needs. They need bread. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. They don't need my servants. They don't need my church. They need Jesus. My cute theology does nothing when they're in need. They need a miracle from God. They need a miracle in their marriage. They need a miracle with their children. They need a miracle in their life. They need a miracle financially, just financial hardship. Maybe it's their health. I don't know what it is, but What's our prayer life look like? I really don't have time to pray, but I never miss an episode. I really don't have time to pray, but I'm caught up on my feed. What's my prayer life look like? Am I knocking for loaves just in case a friend stops by at midnight? And you say, I'm sorry, I've not been praying. I don't, I, my relationship with God is not where it needs to be myself. So I have nothing to offer you. I wasn't in need of a miracle, so I really haven't been praying for God to do anything great in my life. So when you come to me in need of a miracle, I have nothing to give you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.